Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I'm here to bring you the preview show ahead of Bayern Munich's Bundesliga game against Mainz. And as you know by now, Bayern Munich for the 10th consecutive year is the Bundesliga champion. And maybe it takes a little bit of a of the luster off of this matchup, but we will be covering it nonetheless. Uh, let's take a quick look at where each team is in the standings. And for Bayern Munich, obviously, you know that they are in first place through 31 match days. They have 24 wins, three draws, four losses. They have scored 92 goals. They have allowed 30. That is good to put them at the top of the table. It is good enough to make them the leading scorers in the league. And it also good enough that they are the team that has allowed the least amount of goals. So all in all, 75 points, you can say it's been a great season for Bayern Munich in the league. Over their last five matches, Bayern Munich has five wins, including last week's 3-1 victory over Borussia Dortmund. As for Mainz, uh, things are not going so well of late. Uh, Through 31 match days, Mainz has 11 wins, 6 draws, 14 losses. That's good for 39 points, which places them right behind 9th place Eintracht Frankfurt and just ahead of 11th place Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Mainz is really in a spot where they could drop as many as really four or five spots uh, in the table. So this match is big for them, uh, especially because they've been pretty putrid of late. Over Mainz's last five games, they have two draws and three losses. Last week, they got obliterated by Wolfsburg 5-0 in a match that was not close. And it was kind of crazy since the Wolves were basically shellacked the week before by Borussia Dortmund. So Mainz is in a bad spot right now. And uh, with the Bavarians facing off with the with the Bavarians, it's not going to make things easier. So uh, Mainz, I think, you know, they are in a very perilous spot. Uh, they're facing Bayern Munich. They are surrounded by teams in the table where it, it just in reality, there are just so many opportunities for them to drop if they continue to go on the slide that they're on. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they approach this match. Of course, we'll get into how Julian Nagelsmann is going to approach it, but like we always do, we take a look at the Mainz roster and we try and identify a couple of players who you might want to keep an eye on. And I'll tell you, with this Mainz team, for as scrappy as they are, for as pesky as they can be, um, they are not exactly star-studded by any means. Um, you know, this team is not one that's going to wow you with any certain thing. And I think if you look at their roster, the one player that you may want to keep an eye on is defensive midfielder Anton Stasch, who is who is getting looks for the German national team, but it really remains to be seen if he will be a serious candidate for the World Cup squad. It was very nice that Hansi Flick called him up, but uh, I would think that the competition in the midfield might be a little too much for him to break through. And of course, that's not really as much a knock on him. He is a talented 23-year-old and he's got a bright future ahead of him. But Bayern Munich, I'm sorry, Germany is pretty much stacked in the midfield at this point. When you start at a place with uh, 
Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, if that's your baseline, those are your starters, uh, it tells you a little bit about things with the overall quality of those two players. But um, Germany just has uh, a plethora of players they can use at those spots. So it's a name to keep an eye on, and it's a he is a, a good young player. So it'll be fun to watch him in this environment against a good team like Bayern Munich. But as for as far as his uh, World Cup hopes go, uh, might not happen this time around. But Bayern Munich, so obviously with them, they won the league last week, and there is just a lot of speculation about how Julian Nagelsmann is going to approach this one. Will there be mass substitutes? Will this look like the Bayern Munich two team? It won't be that bad, but I do anticipate we're going to see some players that we might not normally get a chance to look at. I don't think it's going to be just this rampant amount of changes. I do think that if Nagelsmann gets the opportunity, he will work in some of those younger players like Paul Vonner and Gabriel Vidovich as subs. But I wouldn't anticipate him going off the rails and using them to start the match. So this one, it's very interesting because it's the first one after the title clincher. So Realistically, if you're a Nagelsmann and you're facing a team that's reeling like mines, this might be the one where you want to go a little further and try and get some of those lesser used players minutes. But I don't know how he's going to do it. He did luck into some things this week in terms of players being available. So it it should be interesting to see who he pulls out here and who is a part of the lineup. And I guess that's one of the things that we, we can cover right now is who exactly is going to be starting for Bayern Munich against Mainz. And really, if you have a guess, it's as good as anyone. But one thing that I think is going to be extremely clear is that Manuel Neuer will still be in that. The guy just loves to play. I don't think Nagelsmann quite has the clout to give him a day off yet. If Neuer doesn't want a day off, he won't take a day off. So I think there's no doubt that we will see Neuer back in that Sven Ulreich. He knew what he was getting when he signed up here, unlike Alexander Nubel. And I think Ulreich is good by that. He might get some token minutes at some point in the next three matches, but I would anticipate Neuer being the guy that carries the load. Unless something happens or there's some reason to rest Neuer, it seems like he will uh, he will be the man moving forward. Uh, the back line offers some possibilities, and there's a couple. There are a couple of reasons for that. One, Luca Hernandez has been banged up, and he has uh, you know been battling little nagging injuries. There's really no reason to force him to go out and play. I don't think there's an issue with dressing him, but I don't think that anyone needs to put him in the starting lineup, especially even if he's a little banged up. There's no point in risking that. Uh, Dio Upamakano also missed practice again on Wednesday, which puts his status in doubt. He could be fine. It was originally reported that he was just getting some rest, but who knows? Uh, it's not like Byron is always 100% honest with uh, their assessments of players when they miss a practice or training or a game or whatever. So whatever's going on with Upamakano, he's missed a couple of days of practice. Uh, that would put his status in jeopardy. When we get up to the attack, uh, we could probably note that Robert Lewandowski, he returned to team training on Wednesday. Thomas Muller did not. So Muller's status, again, just like Ubermakano, is probably in doubt. So across that back line, what we'll go with, we will go at center back with Tangai Nianzu and Benjamin Pavar. 
Left back, we'll go with Alfonso Davies. And at right back, we will go with Josip Stanisic. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Benjamin Pavar, of course, is going to be that natural successor to Nicholas Sula in the center back rotation because it does not look like Bayern Munich is going to go out and spend any money on a center back during this offseason. If Pavar slides inside, we will see Stanisic out there right back, which would be good for him because he has not gotten that much playing time. He went from a kid that looked like he was going to break through, a kid that Nagelsmann seemingly really liked the beginning of the season and got a lot of people excited to had some bad luck with an injury, had bad luck with COVID. Um, and all of that just led to him not being around as much, probably losing a little bit of his form and maybe losing a little bit of trust from the coaching staff. And he has not gotten back on track. So this would be the perfect time to give him some extended run to see what he can do. As for Nianzu, he is the most fascinating of the foursome on the back line right now because if you read the most recent reports, he is at the center of a bit of a power struggle between sporting director Hassan Brazo Salihamizic and manager Julian Nagelsmann. So stop me if you heard this before, but Brazo being in a bit of a conflict with a manager, where have we seen this? Oh yeah, last season. <laughs> so the crux of this issue is that Nagelsmann does not, allegedly does not trust Tanga Nianzu as much, thinks he has a far way to go in his development, doesn't really want to play him because it's a risk every time he puts him out there. Whether it's a positional mistake, whether he picks up a bad foul, whether he injures another player, um, Nianzu has had a, a very rough season in, in that respect. Uh, Brazo, meanwhile, is looking at this from an executive standpoint, an executive who authorized the deal to go get Nianzu, and he wants Nianzu to play more, to get that experience that he so badly needs to improve. But Brazo doesn't necessarily have to worry about the end result on the pitch. If Nianzu is having a bad game or making bad decisions, he doesn't have to immediately deal with that like Nagelsmann does. So I see this from both perspectives, but when it comes down to it, this is the coach's area. The coach gets to pick who he wants to play. So if this is going to be an ongoing power struggle, this is probably not something that will be solved easily because unless Nianzu is able to really solidify his play and not play as, and I don't want to say anything derogatory, stupid or anything like that, he plays sloppy. He, he has a lot of sloppy challenges. He makes a lot of sloppy decisions. His positioning is sloppy. He's a sloppy player right now, and that's okay because he's young and he's still learning to play at this level. But eventually, at some point, he's going to have to start to make that jump to be better. And there are a lot of people who do think that he'll do that. Unfortunately, for a guy like Nagelsmann, he doesn't have time to play that game. He gets to give Nianzu run when he can. But if he doesn't feel like Nianzu is up to the task, he won't play him. So uh, I'm going to side with Nagelsmann on this one. And the coach should be able to kind of dictate where, he, where and when he's going to use these players without the outside influence of the front office. But let's just put that as TBD because I think this whole thing is uh, probably going to extend on if those stories were true. So getting back to the lineup, when you look at the midfield, I don't think we're going to see really much of a change. Yashua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka are going to get the call. Kimmich because he's a crazy person and will never come off the pitch. Goretzka mostly because he's been banged up a lot in the second half of the season here. And I think it would be good to get him some playing time, get him and Kimmich back on the same page. I think when they are working together, they are probably one of the 
best midfield combinations on the planet. I would maybe rank them at number one, but I could see how some other people would defer to some other combinations out there. But um, Kimmich and Gretzka would expect to see them. As far as the attack goes, wing is another interesting scenario. We've seen the stories about Leroy Sané and how he's kind of annoyed the coaching staff. He's kind of annoyed the front office in that his form has dropped off the table and that he really has not displayed that attitude that he had shown earlier. And there was a big knock on Sané for being a diva when he arrived at Bayern Munich. And whether that was justified or not, it was out there. And I think a lot of people kind of just push past that because when you come from a place like Manchester City and you're playing in the Premier League, there's always eyes on you, worldwide eyes. And you're being judged on everything. And sure, maybe Sané did have some diva-like moments there. But I think he got a fresh start when he came to Bayern Munich. And even though those stories were there, people moved past that. But his behavior in the second half of the season here has not been exactly uh, – it hasn't been great, okay? So he he's had some – not just issues with his form, but he's had a run-in with Nagelsmann at practice – I, you know, I like to use the term you know, dead fish handshake, which that's what he gave Nagelsmann when coming out of the game a couple of weeks back. We've we've talked about that stuff ad nauseum, but whatever's going on with Sané, his talent is really indisputable. Uh, he is one of the most talented players on the team. He brings a great combination of speed and skill and real tenacity when going to the net. Problem is he just hasn't been that good. So when I look at this attack and I look at what Nagelsmann may do, part of me thinks that this is the kind of game where you want to put Sané in and you want to help get him back on track. But the other part of me looks at this and says, this is the end of the season. Serge Gnabry is in a spot where they're not sure whether he's not sure and the club is not sure whether he's going to re-up his deal. And there's a big possibility he could be sold this summer. So I think that is a gesture of goodwill and the fact that Gnabry has played fairly well over the past month I would think he would be one of those two wing spots uh the other one I think will go to Kingsley Coman just strictly because he's been great uh this season and while he also has been battling some injuries little nagging injuries I think he'll get the call on this one and I think it'll be another week before we see Sané but as you can tell by now, I'm going with the 4-2-3-1 and those two last attackers. I think there is no doubt we will see Robert Lewandowski, even though he missed some practice this week. I think, you know, even with the practice miss, even with all of the transfer rumors going around, even with all of the nonsense that's being spouted out by his agent and the media and everything, I think he's going to be in the lineup. I still think he's going to eventually re-sign with Bayern Munich. But right now, we'll focus on the game, and we'll say that he'll be the starting striker. And that leaves that last spot. That spot behind Lewandowski, whether you call it a 10, whether you call it an attacking midfielder or a second striker, however you want to phrase that, it's a big open spot because Thomas Muller has missed a couple of days of practice. He's reportedly battling a bad cold, may not be available for the match. We don't know yet. But this would seem like a great time to rest a veteran player who's looked like he's had some heavy legs of late. Uh, the second half of the second half of the season has not been great for Muller. Um, he was damn good in the first half, really good to start the Rook Ronda, but then he really trailed off. And I don't know if it was fatigue or whether he's battling some injuries or just the condensed schedule wore him down uh, mentally and physically. He just hasn't looked all that great. I think he did have a good showing last weekend, but um, it's just frankly hasn't been up to the standard that we'd like to see from him over the course of the past six weeks or so. 
So without him, I think we are going to see Jamal Musiala in that spot, which should be a lot of fun. Musiala brings great speed, great technical skill, and uh, just an insane desire to score. That If there's one special thing about that kid is that he finds ways to make things happen in the box. And whether it's him creating for himself or his teammates, he draws attention and makes life easier for everyone on the field with him. So uh, this should be a lot of fun. So again, we'll see Manuel Neuer with the back line of Alfonso Davies, Tangai Nianzu, Benjamin Pavar, and Josip Stanisic. Midfield duo of Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. And an attack of Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry, Jamal Musiala, and Robert Lewandowski. I do think we will see some of the younger players. There's a shot we could see Omar Richards. I would anticipate that we see someone like Mark Roca. I would anticipate we see Marcel Sabitzer. And there's a possibility we could see players like Gabriel Vitovich and Paul Vonner. But of course, if you're going to mix all of those players in and you're going to try and get Chupo some time and you might bring in Sané, there's two or three that are going to have to be left out. So, um, you know, one player to probably keep an eye on is Paul Vonner, mostly because when everything got hot around him at the start of the second half of the season, he was the next big thing. And it's all we heard about. And there was this big deal about getting his contract extended, about making him part of the first team. And then it's been radio silent ever since. So I'd be very curious to know what's going on with him. Obviously, Byron has not had a lot of games that would really dictate you'd be able to use a player that young, that inexperienced. But you would think at some point he would get a little more run from the coach who was supposedly a really big fan of him, but he just hasn't. So uh, if Vonner does get on the field, I would really like to see what he can do in an, over an extended period. Hopefully um, a half hour would be awesome. I just don't think he's the type of player at this point that's going to see that kind of time. In fact, I, I kind of think that Gabriel Vidovich might uh, be on the, a little bit ahead of him in the pecking order at this point in terms of getting playing time, because I think the club does want to showcase Vidovich so that they could potentially loan him out. For a year or two uh, this summer, Vidovich, of course, is a very talented attacker and might be able to play on someone's first team more consistently than he any playing time he would get at Bayern Munich. So uh, let's keep an eye on the two youngsters, see how they do, and see how Nagelsmann manages this bench. It, that, to me, is one of the more intriguing storylines of this match. As far as a prediction goes, I have no reason to predict Bayern other than I guess they're the better team we don't know who's going to play we don't know how much they're going to play we don't know where they're going to play really so there's a lot of possibilities here but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bayern Munich three Mainz one I think there'll be one defensive breakdown I think somehow this offense regardless of who plays is going to find a way to put three balls in the net and I think that'll be uh it'll be a lot of fun to watch and it'll be, like I said, more than anything for fans, it'll be very interesting to see how Nagelsmann handles these final matches of the season, how he manages his players, who he uses, where he uses them. And maybe we'll get an inkling as to what some of those plans are for the future as Nagelsmann works his way through these final matches. So that's all we have for this one. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. We appreciate all of the support that you give us. Please check out the site Bavarian Football Works for all the latest Bayern Munich news and coverage, along with the German national team and a lot of other fun stuff that we do. Uh, as always, you can get me on Twitter at the Barrel Blog. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams 71. 
You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Samarin and Schnitzel on our site, though Schnitzel is on a bit of a hiatus. So he will be checking in a little less frequently over the next probably two months. And then we'll probably get a big steady dose of him uh, when he returns from uh, what he has going on. So as always, thanks for listening and enjoy the match this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, for all of those reasons that I stated. So enjoy it, have a beer on me, and we will see you next time.